You are listening to This is Oklahoma, hosted by Mike Hearn, telling stories of Oklahomans and those that have made it their home. This podcast is presented by the Oklahoma Hall of Fame, telling Oklahoma stories through its people since 1927. Follow them online at oklahomahof.com and definitely on Instagram at oklahomahof. Let's get into today's episode. What's up, guys? Welcome back to another episode of This is Oklahoma. Mike Hoon here, your host, back with another episode down at the Oklahoma Hall of Fame today to talk about some food, some amazing restaurant concepts, some names that will, I mean, you'll definitely notice a lot of the names that um, that we'll talk about today, but the main name that owns all of those names, this restaurant group, is called the Hal Smith Group. Um, and I have Mr. Hank Kraft with me today, who has been a part of that business for a very long time. Uh, Michael, his son, has been on the podcast. I'll link that in the description. You can go listen to that. No doubt you guys have been to Neighborhood Jam. As you all know, if you're listening, a repeat listener, that's one of my favorite breakfast places, uh, as well as Jimmy B's. So Hank Kraft on the podcast today, excited to dive into the story uh, and kind of how Hank, you know, kind of interwines with all of the Hal Smith group stories. But thank you so much for coming down. Appreciate it. You know, we obviously share the love of golf and, and local golf in the area. Um, and I've both played Oklahoma City many, many times. Uh, but before we dive into kind of the restaurant stuff, Tell us a little bit about kind of like, I guess, your background story, uh, kind of where you grew up, where you went to school. I grew up in Oklahoma City, uh-huh. uh, where I was born. Um, went to high school at Northwest Classen and graduated in 65 from Northwest Classen and went to um, University of Oklahoma from there and uh, went to the University of Oklahoma in 65 as a architect major and um began school but prior to that i you know this will kind of dovetail everything together um my senior year i played in a all-star softball team slow pitch um and on that team on my team was hal smith and um we had seen each other on the field opposite of course but we played on the same team and uh, got to know each other it seems like we struck up a a brotherhood that uh, has lasted till today and um, so anyway when i went to ou hal was running the across the street restaurant down on campus corner Mm -hmm. and uh, he was the kind of the figurehead down there and so when i went in there and as a freshman, and we all go in there and order food, and, and um, how I was working the counter, let him know I was there, and uh, um, we stayed in touch during that time. Yeah. And um, I began school, the first two years was architect, being an architect major. Um, and I um, had a fraternity brother who, uh, Warren Tabor, uh, who's very successful in Norman now as real estate, but he was working out at a restaurant called Red Coat Restaurant, which I don't know if many people remember that, but it was out on Lindsay and, and, and uh, I-35. And uh, he said, you need to come out here and uh, work if you need extra money, uh, you get free food and you can work, eventually work your way to the counter. So um, I said, hey, you know, I need extra money. Uh, so I went out there and um, I enjoyed what I was doing, you know, obviously you start out as a busser and dishwasher, and then you work your way up. You learn broil, and you learn middle, and you learn to work the counter, and learn to learn the cash register. And uh, I fell in love with what was going on. And uh, I'd been around cooking with my mom a little bit in the kitchen, enjoyed that. But uh, so started that, and after my sophomore year, going into my junior year. Uh, I really was excited about the food side of it. So I um, told my dad that I I really wanted to switch uh, out of architecture. He said, can you give it another year? Uh, So I did. I did three and a half years of architecture school out of five. And uh, then I switched over to business management. Uh, He wasn't happy. And uh, but I knew that that's you know, when you get up every morning and you know you enjoy doing something, and I was looking forward, not necessarily going to architect's classes, but going and working there. And uh, so here's Hal working down at the, across the street. He calls me one day and says, we're gonna open up a steakhouse 
in Norman called Crust Timbers. And it was dinner only, and it was gonna be patterned after steak and ale. And uh, he said, would you like to come over here and cook? And work with a, there was a gentleman uh, that was cooking back there too, and he, uh, Mitch Shamus, and he was in law school, very good cook, and I went over there to learn to cook yeah. on, on a, 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 the grill and obviously cook the, the menu that we were doing. Our menu was pretty much Steak and Ale's menu. Uh, Hal had hired all the waiters from Steak and Ale. Yeah. Uh, I think we had probably borrowed some of the recipes as well. And uh, so I started off back there and uh, eventually I was running the kitchen. I was still in school, switched over to business management. and. Uh, it just seemed to continue to, to get better all the time. Uh, we expanded the bar. Uh, we had Mountain Smoke play right after we expanded our bar, which um, um, in that band was uh, obviously Hal Clifford, who we had all gone to school with, but also um, uh, I, I lost track of who was in that band, yeah. but uh, he was the lead guitar player. and. Uh, I'll think of that in just a minute. It'll I'll, come back, I'll to, come back yeah. to that. Yeah. But anyway, we did that, and it was very successful. So we, the uh, the three owners that we had had the across the street had cross timbers, and they decided to build across timbers in Amarillo. And so Hal said, "I'll move to Amarillo with Sandy, and and we'll uh, do the thing out there." So they did that. I ended up running cross timbers in Norman, yeah. and at that time, just before uh, Hal moved to to uh, uh, cross Timbers in Amarillo, Norman Brinker had come in to, uh, he was playing polo in, with Bob Moore down in Norman. He came in one night and uh, he uh, had dinner and he said hello to Hal. I was in the kitchen and, and he told Hal, he said, you know, this, this concept's uh, very similar to steak and ale. And of course, Norman Brinker founded steak and ale. And he said, but you've done it quite well and I'm, I'm very impressed. And he said, here's my card. If you ever need anything, holler at me. And of course, that's Norman and a very gracious person. And uh, so anyway, uh, shorten the story a little bit. How when moved to Amarillo, um, he got a call from Steak and Ale. He went to work for Steak and Ale and obviously eventually became president of Steak and Ale, one of the youngest presidents that Steak and Ale's ever had. And so I was still there. I was overseeing the, the whole three restaurants. And um, I got a call, um, I think this was in 73, 74, from a gentleman that owned and was going to start a concept in Oklahoma City called Molly Murphy's House of Fine Repute and uh, wanted to know if I wanted to be the GM of that. And so I, I said, sure. I said, uh, show me the plans and let me look at it because it wasn't built yet. So. Um, he said, well, the thing you've got to do is you're going to have to work with the architect and go find everything that goes inside of that, uh, from the salad car to yeah. uh, everything else. So, you know, it fit kind of into what I was doing as um, having an architectural background. So I jumped over there. I left uh, Campus Enterprises. I was the vice president there and moved over to Molly Murphy's. And we built it and opened up and doing incredible business. Um, it was for the Bob Tayar Enterprises, and uh, he already had Bonaparte's. If uh, Bonaparte's was out on 39th Street, and then he had one over in Shepherd Mall at that time, and uh, so we opened up Molly Murphy's. We were doing probably close to four million dollars a year at that time. That was pretty big uh, at 74, and I stayed with Bob six years. We opened up another Molly Murphy's in Tulsa, and we opened up sweet peas and then we were in the process of developing a mexican restaurant tamales out on northwest highway and uh, when i got a call from steak and ale in in 1980 and it was from hal smith and he was president of steak and ale and he said hank i need a director of new concepts for steak and ale and he said, I was thinking of you because I know you enjoy developing these concepts for, for people and uh, putting them together, And uh, but you need to come down and interview two people. And I said, okay, be glad to do it. And so 
talked to my wife, Michelle, and uh, so we, uh, I, I flew down there, and uh, my first interview was with Norman Brinker. And I had not met Norman Brinker, but I met, uh, I went to lunch with him. Uh, by the time I got there uh, for lunch with him, I, he, he rode with me, and uh, I felt like I knew Norman extremely well. He was a very, uh, he could put you at ease real easy, and uh, he, um, he's just the type of man that you, you can see why Steak and Ale was so successful. Um, so we talked for about two hours over lunch, uh, came back, and uh, I uh, took my car back to the airport, and I had another meeting with a name Chris Sullivan, if you'll remember, just remember the name Chris Sullivan. Yeah. Uh, so I interviewed him at the airport with him. He had just flown in, and uh, he, was the, he was over the Bennigan's concept for, ste for steak and ale, and uh, I interviewed him, and then I flew back on to Oklahoma City. Uh, both interviews told Hal, let's hire him. Uh, got hired. Michelle and I talked about it. We sold our house, moved to, moved to Dallas, yeah. and uh, moved in 80. And uh, probably one of the best times of my life. Uh, I needed to work for a large corporation. I'd always worked for small companies, and I, I needed to learn how large companies made money and how they did things yeah. from top to bottom. And so I did that, uh, got there, traveled. Most of my time looking for new concepts was with Norman Brinker. Uh, Pillsbury owned Steak and Ale at the time. Mm -hmm. And of course, Hal and, and uh, Norman sat on the board with Pillsbury. And so we, a lot of times we would leave and go look at new concepts that Norman had in mind or if I, I had in mind. And we did that from East Coast to West Coast. And uh, got to know Norman extremely well, very intelligent, uh, see the future 10 years out. Uh, would always, he always knew what was going on in the industry. Yeah. Uh, he could always tell you, this is what we need to be doing, and so on and so forth. But he was trying to feed me information that I was trying to grow on as well. Right. And uh, so we... Uh, we developed a, a new concept. Plus, I was I, they put me over. Uh, they had a Mexican restaurant called Juan and Only's, that one of a kind, yeah. and a cute name. Uh, it was losing about a half million dollars a year. Um, I took it over just to see what we could do with it. Norman said, "If you can't turn it around, let's get rid of it." Yeah. Uh, we turned it around. We were making a half million dollars a year, but we still took, got rid of it um, because it just didn't it sure. didn't fit into the portfolio for steak and ale or, or Pillsbury, either one. Yeah. And then we also I I was put over to help with the Bennigan's concept, which was very successful, and it was a fern bar type concept. It was a, kind of an answer to Fridays, mm -hmm. uh, which steak and ale wanted to do. And then we also did developed another concept called JJ Muggs, uh, which is similar to like a Chili's. And uh, we started that down in Florida and spent a lot of time in Florida opening up. Well, I think we ended up with about seven down there and when we came back and built more. Yeah. Actually built one in Oklahoma City where actually where the Charleston's is today mm -hmm. on Northwest Highway. Yeah. Um, I was there until about 83. At the end of 83, I always wanted to do Charleston's. And I had gone before the board for Steak and Ale, and uh, you know they kind of wanted to know what the future was for, for the concepts, for, and I had suggested that Steak and Ale change Steak and Ale's concept. It was too controlled environment. It needed windows. It needed to be more conducive to uh, women mm -hmm. and uh, not be so masculine. And uh, so the board said, we're not going to change. Uh, Norman said, hey, I'm right there with you. I, I think you're right on. And uh, so I said, oh, I'm going to leave, go back home and, and open a restaurant similar to, uh, similar to a restaurant that had just opened in Dallas called Houston's. And uh, I think everybody knows Houston's or Hillstone, either one. And uh, so came back to Oklahoma City. Uh, couldn't find a place to put Charleston's in 80, 80, almost 84. And so for two years, three, almost three years, ended up doing a little burger concept called Crafts, uh, 
drive-through burger grill, which is a double drive-through. We did one in Midwest City and one in over by Putnam City High School, which we did. We relocated by the high schools because our burgers were cheap. They were 95 cents, and uh, it was a very limited menu. But we, uh, Mike Rogers, who had followed me to Steak and Ale, who, who had been with Molly Murphy's, followed me there, and. He had seen it, and I had seen this uh, concept similar to that. So we opened that because we couldn't find anything to do full service yet. Right. And the location just didn't happen. And then all of a sudden, Hal called one day and said, we're going to close the J.J. Muggs down in Oklahoma City. Would you be interested in that building? And I said, absolutely. Uh, we'll gut it and remodel it. And uh, so we, we did that and opened in 1987. And that's when the first Charleston's was at 35 years now that it's been out on Northwest Highway. And uh, we opened it and then we did a couple, obviously we went to Norman, we did a couple in Indianapolis, uh, only because when Hal left uh, Steak and Ale, he went to Chili's for a year as president and then went on to Chi-Chi's. And then he called me from Chi-Chi's and said they had two locations in Indianapolis that they were thinking about getting rid of and well, I ought to look at them for Charleston. So I did that. We put that in. Um, came back and did the Norman Charleston's um, down in Norman on Lloyd Noble Parkway. And uh, Time kind of just flew from 87 to 92, and then I got a call from Hal. Hal and I stayed in touch. He was doing his thing with Chi-Chi's, and I was doing my thing with Charleston's. And um, he called in 92 and uh, said, I'm coming back home. Sandy and I are coming back to Norman. And uh, why don't you be a partner with me? And uh, we'll start Hal Smith Restaurant Group at that time. And uh, so... He came back, we did that, and then uh, a name I mentioned to you earlier was Chris Sullivan. Mm -hmm. Well, Chris Sullivan had left Steak and Ale after Hal did, and um, he went and did the Chili's franchise in Florida for a while, and then he turned around and sold that back to Chili's, and um, he decided he and Bob Basham, who Bash, Bob Basham was with Bennigan's at the time too when I was there, uh, came up with a concept that was a Australian concept. And uh, it was called Outback Steakhouse. Chris called us and said, how many states do you want? He said, you guys, you build as many as you can in, uh, build as many as you can in three years three and a half, and I, I'm taking Outback Public, and I'll buy y'all back and uh, at a multiple. So he did that. Uh, $42 million later, uh, we'd sold everything back. Yeah. And uh, it was a kind of our seed money to continue to grow in House Smith Restaurant Group. So, you know, kind of the connections that we had uh, that you just kind of run into, the, the phone calls kind of kept leading to me changing and, and give people giving me opportunities. And, and that's a real key for me today is, is that when Hal and I got together, we said, you know, we're going to have fun, we're going to make money, and we're going to give people an opportunity to grow, which people gave both of us opportunities to just grow. And, yeah. and I think that's the key to, have, to attracting great people. Yeah. Uh, but just to throw a side note in there, Norman left the same time I did. He left Steak and Ale, which he had founded, because he had gone to Pillsbury twice. He and Hal had gone to Pillsbury and presented them with a concept that um, they thought should be added to the portfolio of Pillsbury. Pillsbury said no both times. That's when Norman got frustrated, because when I went in and told Norman I was leaving, he said, well, Hank, I'm leaving too. And I'm going to go by. The concept was Chili's. They had seven at the time, and he bought the concept. And of course, he took it public, and everybody knows the history of Brinker today. But yeah. uh, anyway, uh, it was just uh, what a great ride, and, and, and got to know a lot of people. But uh, and then for Hal to come back, and for us to be partners since 1992, um, you know, 30 years. Yeah. So uh, it's been a great ride. You no know, doubt. and today we have, uh, I want to say, what, uh, 82 restaurants and 6,000 employees and 13 concepts. So, um, you know, and we're in five states. So uh, pretty amazing.
that is amazing there's so, so much in there to like there's there's so many stories in those like in in in, in just everything can you've unpacked i know we're not going to get to all of them today um but the first thing that that kind of that came to mind from just you telling that story is cooking starts with your mum right? Mm-hmm. Like when you grow up as a boy, you don't think I'm going to love cooking, right? You're outside, you're running around, you're playing sports. But then what, what was like, I'm interested in just kind of like that first moment where you're like, oh, I'm just going to help mom out with cooking. Like, what was that like? You know, I didn't actually ever, I mean, my dad liked to cook too. He liked yeah. to cook on the rotisserie outside on the back porch. Yeah. Liked to do a lot of different meats and things. And we'd go quail hunting or pheasant hunting or duck hunting. And he'd always put it on the grill. But yeah. I, I would mainly watch. And I was just interested because I thought it was an interesting uh, to take food and, and either wrap bacon around it or put cheese in it or do whatever and my mom was really good at those and mom had great recipes I watched her do everything it's not like I just jumped in there and cooked but I was interested in it but I filed it away it's not like I knew right then that's what I was going to do but I just filed it away because I thought it was um interesting just the science of food and watching how the recipes are all put together and and so forth so uh it's just that that knack, and then of course, cooking on Dad's grill a little bit. I learned, yeah. watched him cook a lot, but uh, you know, and then being exposed to it when I get to college, of we go back around. All of a sudden, now I'm doing the cooking, and yeah. you know, whether it's the broil or the middle of the fry or whatever. And then now I'm now I'm working the counter, yeah. and uh, you know, it it uh, it kind of all fell into place. But it was it was something that said, hey. This is fun, yeah. you know. This this can be a passion, mm-hmm. um, you know. Not that I didn't like. I loved architecture, a uh, lot of long labs, things like that. But it, uh, you know, it just this took a little bit more precedence over that. Yeah. As why, why was it architecture? From from kind of why was that the choice? I enjoyed all the design classes, or uh, they were mechanical classes that we had in seventh and eighth grade, and also in. Uh, uh, some at Northwest class and all them, you know, taking objects and making them 3D or doing whatever. I totally enjoyed that. I enjoyed math as well. Mm-hmm. So um, uh, I just enjoyed, I like the creative side of things and uh, architecture gave you that avenue to be creative. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it's kind of a dare to dream, you know, kind of deal. And I like to think outside the box. Yeah. And uh, I'd done that with all the, if you think about all the concepts we have that I've influenced, uh, you know, I've done all the design work on the interior yeah. and lay them all out after Mike does all the kitchen designs and uh, form follows function. So he's got to get the function in there first and then he turns it over to me. But yeah. then I lay out the inside and the exterior yeah. and then we turn it over to an architect who's licensed to do all the drawings and things like that. But I can do the sketching and yeah. everything else. So it's all come into, to fruition to, yeah. to be um, to kind of work into the, everything that I've learned it's so. amazing how they just like when you when you listen to your story and you know you, everything when you look back on it everything does come full circle right and you know it, there is a there is a use for it somewhere and now how you use those that passion for architecture and and like I said you know form follows function and then the way that people navigate through restaurants and I mean it's all fascinating stuff you know the flow and how servers have got to get through to their places and how then you talked about having windows and lights and just having more of a female influence like Mm -hmm. there's so much that goes into it that we could sit here for two hours and just talk about how to set up a restaurant you know there's so much in that but the other thing that kind of uh, stuck out to me um is obviously you know you realize when you're in college that you know i want to go work in the restaurant i don't think i want to go do architecture anymore what was that first initial reaction was that like I think I'm going to go on to own my own restaurants or like where was the career thinking at that point? You know, at that point, I didn't think about ownership. Uh I just thought about, you know, learning of everybody I experienced or was around. What could I learn from them? Mm -hmm. And I was always I was always asking a lot of questions. Why? Why do we do this? Why do you do? Why do you do this? Uh, Not how you do it, but just why do you do it? And, uh, you know, I, I just felt like there was a there was a connection there of 
what they were telling me, and I, I sought out not only from Hal, but anybody, even the owners we had at, at uh, across the street and across Timbers, talked to them. They were not in the restaurant. Uh, one of the three was in the restaurant business and picked his mind as much as I could and just asked a lot of questions. And I went to work for Bob Tayar. I know I asked him because he had been successful. Um, and uh, he had had some good sides and he had some bad sides. And I asked, why did you have the bad sides? And, yeah. you know, I wanted to know both, both ways because you can learn from people's mistakes and uh, you can learn from your own mistakes, but at least make, make some mistakes. And uh, yeah. I've done that, but, uh, you know, it's not a, you know, but, you know, if you made a mistake, why did you make the mistake? And, you know, can you learn from it? Sure. Right. Yeah, so. and and like you said, you also when you went to go work for for you know a, a bigger corporation, right, to see how they work, you know, that's obviously helped you tremendously in building, you know, HSR for the last thirty mm-hmm. years as well, and get to see everything. So, you know, it's there's so much value in for people listening of, you know, go out there and make mistakes, but also ask so many questions. Don't be scared to go work for someone for. 10, 15, 20 years and then figure out I can go do this on my own, you'd probably be more successful than if you were to just jump in saying oh, I can figure this out. Yeah. So, But the large corporation like Steak and Ale helped me to understand demographics, mm-hmm. helped me understand site selection, uh, helped me understand the accounting side of how a big company does their accounting, yeah. uh, how they do the reporting, um, you know, how they did their, they had their own architectural division, which I totally enjoyed. I always went over there and visited a lot, yeah. but but I got to know all the players over there and, and then how operations handle people. And Norman was probably, Norman, between Norman and Hal, which I think are identical in the ways they do things, um, you know, how to, how to handle people, right. how to work with people and, and how to motivate people. Um, and you know, make them feel good, and and uh, make them feel worthwhile. Mm-hmm. And uh, Norman was just he he was he and Hal both. Like I said, I think they have the same traits. Um, you know, and and how to treat people, yeah. and uh, how to hire people. You know, Norman's comment to me was one of the comments he made was. Uh, and I, Hal probably uses this a lot too, but I always always remembered it, is that how he Norman said, always go out and hire stallions and put them on the track and let them run. And he said, you might have to jerk them back a little bit, but let them run. And, you know, if you look around all of Steak and Ale when I was there, I kept turning around and, you know, everybody was self-motivated everybody was uh they wanted to make things happen they wanted to treat their people right and uh so that's kind of what we've done here you know and Hal and i talked about that and i just think uh you know hiring the right people and then let them run let them let them do their thing you know as long as i don't have to kick them in the rear uh and let them run on the track that's fine you know because you know every now and then you're going to have to be jerked back just like i was right. uh-huh. uh here and there and and uh you know and and if they're smart they 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 feel that jerk and they yeah. and they you know say okay great but just let them keep going and uh, I always remember Norman telling me that, too, and I know he told Hal that, too, but uh, that was a secret to his—I mean, he had such great people. If you look at all the people that left Steak and Ale that, that went on to run other companies, other restaurant companies, uh, yeah. it's pretty amazing. You know, and, and if you look at—really, we've, we've had a lot of people leave our company that are running companies today, and—, and uh, you know, we've had a great success recruiting at OSU because we—, we they have a demonstration room up there that we put our name on up there, and I yeah. think we gave them a considerable amount of money to do it uh, on the new school up there. But uh, it has helped us. I think we've got probably 20 at least graduates from the hotel and restaurant school in Stillwater, but uh, and given yeah. them an opportunity to to kind of grow with us. So yeah. uh, it's amazing. good to give back. Oh, so, it's amazing. And, yeah. and, and, you know, there's a lot of, like I said, there's a lot of stories like that where you guys have given back over the years and, and during tough times. And, you know, that, like I said, there's, I'll link everybody to Hal's podcast as well so everyone can kind of hear that story and, and, and how both of these stories will intertwine the whole way. Um, tell me about, uh, obviously, Chris goes on to build, you know, Outback, right, and takes that off you, which gives you guys the money to start Hal Smith Group. Before we get into that story, have you been down to his place in Florida and played golf down there yet? 
I have not been there. I think okay. Hal's been there maybe, yeah. but I have not. Uh, Chris was up here about six months ago just as he was flying through and stopped by and uh, yeah. talked to Hal. And I was actually out of town and didn't get to see him, but um, I miss seeing Chris. We used to play on the we played on the uh, steak and ale softball team together and yeah. Hal played on that team and uh, we were pretty good. Uh, there in Dallas, but uh, I miss seeing Chris because we all did things together as families right. on Friday and Saturday night. Friday night was with the kids, Saturday night was without the kids, yeah. and uh, we just we had a great time. Yeah. So to that point, how important do you think it is for employees of any kind to get into a competitive, you know, competitive but kind of a fun competitive scene like playing? you know softball whatever it is like there's so many leagues out there that people play in that must be so good for business camaraderie and just kind of well i think it is i think a lot of our a lot of our uh restaurants are playing in soccer leagues Mm -hmm. uh kickball leagues uh some softball leagues some some are uh co-ed and uh but i think it's all good um, I think it was fun back then because it was a lot of the guys that were in executive positions, but yet it was some of the GMs that uh, obviously went out and got we, we recruited them because yeah. they were good players and uh, a little younger than us, and uh, but they were good. And uh, it was a fun softball league to play against other teams like Fridays and, and uh, on the border and things like that. And, and we, I mean, it was. I just think it's it's very healthy. Yeah. to do it yeah I think most more people should definitely do it yeah. right not just for their physical benefits you know but the, the gentleman that too. played in that band was Vince Gill oh yeah kind the, of a big deal <laughs> yeah he played he played with yeah. uh, Oklahoma uh, Hall of Fame Mountain Smoke That's you know amazing. and they were one of the first bands that played in our little bar yeah. there at Cross Timbers and oh, I always remember seeing Vince up there and of course at that time he didn't have a name but right. but uh, we can you know and of course he was at, when Hal was inducted to the Hall of Fame, he was there and yeah. so forth. But uh, yeah, it was kind of interesting because he was a music major. Right. I mean, he he loved music in Northwest Classen. So yeah. at the time, oh, that's awesome. Yeah, I love that. Yeah. Uh, so obviously, you get the you know you kind of get this 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 money from from Chris for, from taking um, taking out back and and you think right, we're off to the races now. We have a start. What was that first conversation with you and Hal of kind of we're just going to build. Was it, you know, we're we just going to open multiple concepts or we're we just going to slowly focus on one and slowly grow that way? Well, we had cross timbers and, and the focus at that time was just cross, uh, I mean, I'm sorry, Charleston's. Uh-huh. And uh, we already had four and five and then we kind of put it on hold to do the Outback thing. And, uh, you know, we were gung-ho 19 in three years yeah. uh and then we came back and said you know cross timber i mean i keep thinking of cross timbers but charleston's was a viable concept it was it was doing well and uh, as we opened them uh they showed great signs of success uh but how and i are just kept kicking around new ideas and then we opened up red rock out on the lake uh i think barry switzer had opened his first restaurant up there and we were going to build right next to him and randy hogan came to us and said can you can you you all have something you want to put here and i house says what do you think and i said we already had a charleston's on northwest highway which i we felt like was too close so uh came up with the idea of a red rock dinner only uh it's kind of a southwest theme and uh play to the lake which it does and uh I mean, it opened extremely successful. And uh, of course, we've gone on to build five more of those, but um, uh, it was it was a challenge, but it yeah. was fun, a uh, new concept. Uh, I thoroughly enjoyed that. And then um, we had built a Charleston's in Yale, a Yale in Tulsa, in Tulsa. And we'd also put a little burger boomerang right next to it which Tulsa didn't take to the boomerang too too well. Uh, so Hal and I looked at each other one day, and Hal said, you know, I've always had a had a name that I've wanted to use. And he said, what do you think about doing a steakhouse? And I said, I'd love it. I, he said, how about mahogany? Yeah. He said, I always love the rich wood, and, and uh, it stands for something really good. So we put together that little... Uh, mahogany there and uh, of course we've got four of those today and they do quite well too so it kind of started leading us to to doing 
um, still doing Charleston's, but just expanding and growing and doing kind of what I love is is developing new concepts and coming yeah. up with ideas and seeing what's out in the market. You know, what are people going to be interested in? Yeah. Uh, and it's kind of that vision that Norman Brinker had. You know, we Hal had a good vision. Um, and led us down that path of, hey, let's go look at this, let's go look at that. Yeah. And all of a sudden you see things out there. You know, we saw something like uh, like an upper crust down in Dallas one day, and, and then I saw something out in Napa Valley that was like an upper crust, so we married the two, and yeah. we came up with the upper crust. And, uh, of course, Hal, uh, I think Hal and uh, uh, the coach, uh, not... Uh, Stoops. Bob Stoops came up with Louis because that was from Manhattan, Kansas. Yeah. Bob had seen that, and next thing you know, we've got Louis going. And then was that named after his dog? It might be. I think dog? it was. Yeah. yeah. And then they used to play Louis Louis at the end of the night too, yeah. but but I don't know if that still goes on or not. But and then the garage came along because of Brandon Kissler mm-hmm. and uh, Tanner uh, Smith. Um, they kind of came up with let's do it, you know. And I think Hal always had in the back of his mind like a, like a Chili's concept, but yeah. do it a little differently. And obviously, they've been that's been so successful uh, to do that. And then along comes, you know, we did some onesies like Hefter Grill. We had to take that over and kind of convert it three or four times. But it's I think it's got a lot of traction right now. It's Hefter Grill. Then we took the old uh, Darden concept over and put mamas in there and it's been very successful and uh you look at all the other concepts well we've got 13 now so um and i think they all are doing well and and i think some have uh definite uh legs to grow right yeah i mean just for people listening to give you context i'll name all 13 you've got charleston's el cuevo which is pretty new yeah very new uh the garage Notice for people listening, I said that in an American way, not garage, like I would have said. <laughs> Hefner Grill, Holly's, Louis, Mahogany, Mama Roja, Neighborhood Jam, Pub W, Red Rock Canyon Grill, Toby Keith's, and Upper Crust, and then the Winston and Jimmy B's. Yeah. So for everyone listening, you obviously know those names. Being in the like concept development part of the business, that's got to be the most exciting part of the business, right? You get to hang around, you get to travel, you get to sample stuff. I think, I mean, there's nothing better than, than traveling to a different state or a different part of town and just thinking, you know what, we're just going to go out and sample and see what's, see what's hot on the market right now. That's what's the exciting things. You yeah. know, we, we try to put together trips that we go to Dallas or we, we go to Kansas City uh-huh. or we go to Nashville or we go to uh, may go out to the West Coast uh, every now and then, a little bit of East Coast, but really the trends kind of start in in california in my opinion and they get back here about two years later but uh, we've been able to look at these trends dallas being so close three and a half hours away um, we pick up a lot of things there i mean there's a lot of concepts that come and go in dallas Um, a lot of new chefs come to town and leave and so forth that are chef driven concepts but uh, we've been very blessed to be able to identify and and uh, you know, put new concepts on paper and then and bring them to fruition. Yeah. Uh, we've got an incredible R&D staff and, uh, you know, led by Brad Johnson, who's been our chef for 22 years now and uh, graduate of CIA school in New York. Yeah. But uh, uh, the creativity is continues and you know, we all try to think outside the four walls. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's amazing to see. We said that real quick. It's you know it's amazing to kind of there's so many restaurants right that just are, just were on the drawing board and they just didn't happen or they got shelved for a little bit and you probably brought them back in and there's ones that you know you still want to do but the market's not right yet mm-hmm. like it, that's the beauty of it and it's because uh, the beauty and the curse of it is because you have so much choice it just comes down to the numbers and the market that we're in in Oklahoma City and I think over the last ten years I've been here eleven years now and over the last ten years you know it seems that the food scene in Oklahoma City is just kind of you know, blossomed for it, has. right? You know, and, and people are willing to try more food or they've traveled a little bit more. So they just, it's, you know, it's not just like you said, your steakhouses and your, you know, meat and potatoes. And like, there's some really cool food here. I think Oklahoma has been a well-kept secret. Yeah. You know, for, for just exposing people to new things and as well as the labor market and just the cost of living here. 
uh, has been a well-kept secret, but I think it's out now yeah. more so than anything. But luckily, we're in locations. Uh, obviously, we have one in, in Mesa, Arizona, and two in Indianapolis. But other than that, we're from Fort Worth all the way up to Omaha. Yeah. And, uh, you know, and do quite well. We're in, our, in Arkansas, too. But uh, Kansas has been good to us, and Missouri. Uh, with, with have Charleston's on the Missouri state line. Uh, but uh, it's been a good market. Yeah. And as well as Tulsa and Oklahoma City. Yeah. Uh, I mean, one thing, obviously, when, when kind of, uh, you know, Michael, your son, came probably to you around high school, I would assume, and said, I'm going to go to college and this is where I'm going to go. And I'm kind of going to go into the restaurant management industry, you know, school down at Old Miss. Yeah. I mean, that must have been really cool for you to well that, that right? that's a neat story in itself and I, i'm so proud of michael and uh you know at the end of his sophomore year at mississippi university of mississippi he called and said dad i think you and hal need to come down here because we this is a real breakfast town and there's a lot of concepts here bed bag breakfast is one of them but he says you need to come down here and and uh, i'll show you around so we flew down there and he picked us up at the airport and he handed us a business plan yeah. and uh, said this is our itinerary for the day which really entailed almost till seven o'clock uh, and we got there about eight o'clock and so we went to all these different places eating a little bit here a little bit there and and uh, he explained everything to us and and uh, at that time university of mississippi did not have a hotel and restaurant school they just changed over after his uh, sophomore year mm -hmm. so he decided this is what i want to do so he switched over yeah. a lot of his credits transferred and then uh, um, hal and i at the end of the day on the way home on the plane we talked about uh, that and we and i called michael back and i said michael there's two things you need to do first of all you need to graduate which you have two years left and then you need to come work for us for two years and he said that's a deal so he did both um, we already had the menu in hand, pretty much of what Jam is today. We didn't have a name, uh, but we had the, the menu and everything. So when he came back, he graduated, came back, uh, spent two years uh, at the different Charleston's, Red Rock. Uh, we opened up the first Jam, 150th and Penn. Uh, great success, um, mainly because of Michael. Um, he knew how to, to reach social media. Um, it was the people were lined out the door before we even opened, but we, there was a lot of good social media mix going on. And uh, well, we have five today, and two two are in the books to be done in Yukon and um, on South May 104th. And uh, I think we could do one more in Tulsa, and then then we'll go out of state with it. Yeah. So. But I think, it, you know, and Jimmy B's was Michael's idea, too. Um, he wanted to do a craft bar like that, not to play on words, but we spelled it with it's a with K. K. Yeah. yeah. But uh, <laughs> he wanted to do a craft bar, but put a lot of really good food with it. Yeah. Uh, limited menu. And uh, but we needed a small location, something that would be in the right demographic. Mm -hmm. And uh, that's turned out really well. So really, Michael's had those two concepts and uh, yeah. how and I couldn't be more proud of him. And, you know, and he's he brings a lot of ideas to the table, mm -hmm. uh, more than more than I could even bring to the table. But he's uh, he's always thinking he's yeah. outside the box way outside the box so well back I mean, back to your point of you know what norm said was was hiring stallions right and just kind of pointing them in the right direction yeah saying oh don't go that way go this way a little bit and, and you know you got full support of us just bring ideas and, and we'll tell you which ones are good and tell you yeah. which ones are bad but there's nothing better than employing people who are fresh young have new ideas right and and also probably come into the business with a little bit of knowledge but not as much as they're not kind of yeah, painted with the same brush of like this is how we've done it for 30 years mm -hmm. right which is really fun well you want them to, to come into the business as a sponge yeah you know and if they they tell you that in an interview i'm, I'm here to learn yeah. uh, you know and then you can see it it is a passion or it's not uh but i mean you look at the the uh how long a lot of people have been with us it's pretty incredible all of our area partners yeah. uh 
you know, all the way down to our chef that's been 22 years. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it speaks well for what we do, and we don't hardly lose people. I think we probably lose people because we let them go more so than people leave us. But if they leave us, a lot of times they leave us because they're going to go do their own thing. Okay. And if they're successful, that's fine. That's a, just a feather in our hat because they've been successful. But we do look for people that are sponges. And, yeah. you know, if they come from the outside in, we're trying to recruit 78% from within because we already know their work ethic. Uh, we, they know what we're about. We know what they're about. And that's our goal is, is to continue to to have a, a huge R, what I call the ROR, the return on uh, retention. Mm -hmm. And uh, we, we're working on retention. That's kind of our goal this year, um, coming out of COVID and everything else. Obviously, I think everybody lost everybody, lost a lot of employees. We didn't lose any managers because of it, but uh, it's just, uh, you know, we've got to find a way to help lifestyle in the restaurants and and yeah. increase retention in the restaurants and uh, hourlies as well as management yeah. and be very sensitive to that. Otherwise, um, we're going to fall to the wayside, you know, because you got to have people. Right. You got to have people front line taking care of the guests, and we need people running the restaurants too. Yeah, yeah. And uh, but we've seen to knock on wood uh, attracted great people, and that that's why Hal and I and David and and Mike are where we are today, mm -hmm. you know. Yeah, I mean, it's, it, it, you know, obviously there's no secret the business has been around, like you said, for, you know, 30 years now and, and they're still moving forward, still growing and, and mm -hmm. still with the, you know, with the future plan to continue to grow, right? I, I mean, I'm sure over the years you've had many offers from bigger companies to, to sell out uh, or go public or, you know, whatever it is. But, you know, from what I spoke to Michael and spoke to Hal is you take a lot of pride in being locally owned and being, mm -hmm. you know, a huge part of the community and you're not just here to sell food. Yeah, that is correct. Well, I mean, we've, we've had offers, but not the right thing. Yeah. And, uh, we enjoy being private. Uh, nobody, you don't wake up in the morning and people don't know what you're doing. You know, you're, if you're public and I've been there, done that, not as much as Hal, but, uh, you know, it just, it's nice. And we can run it, but we're running it right. I mean, if somebody did come along and buy us, you know, it would be pretty incredible because they're getting a company that's run almost like the big companies, you know. Yeah. But um, we do all the things right. We're constantly plussing, making things better. Our training, we borrowed that from Steak and Ale. Mm -hmm. And uh, when I left there and came back here, we borrowed the training manuals. And we've just taken because they had the best management and employee training at the time yeah. and we've all we've done is plus it over the years and now Sarah McDaniel is is over the training department and uh, just it's incredible yeah you know I mean that's I think that's our our training is top-notch from top to bottom but we're always changing it I mean she I send her to Disney and to go to their training programs because they do a, such yeah. a great job. And she's been there, done that, come back, brought new ideas. And that's what I'm looking for is new ideas. Yeah. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's worth paying for, right? Mm -hmm. you, don't, you know, you don't pay people just to serve, pay people to bring new ideas. And, yes. and how do we evolve? Because, you know, it seems, especially nowadays, businesses are evolving a lot quicker now compared to what they were in the 90s and the 80s, whereas... You know, so you have to stay on your toes, right? And the people move a lot faster. Yeah. And, you know, the probably things that slow you down is getting in a building and outfitting it, mm -hmm. getting it ready. And then once you're ready, it's let's get some, you know, let's get this thing yeah, going. Yeah, construction's kind of probably the slowest part of it. Yeah. You know, we can get the drawings done and so forth, but it, it definitely uh, slows us down a little bit. But we're usually ready to go. When we create a new concept, there's enough people to raise their hands from other concepts to say, I want to be on the training team to help develop that and, and uh, that's the fun time to me is developing a new concept and getting it on paper getting it built and getting it open and, and it, then you have a new culture that's created and you've taken people in two weeks time and transformed them into Jimmy B's or a, right. a uh, jam or, or whatever it might be but that that's the fun part of it to me yeah. and then you know and see it develop and yeah. see, see whoever oversees it 
takes that culture and, and then we grow it. Yeah. Over the last 30 years then with, with you know, being partners with Hal, what's been some of the best moments and then some of the moments where have really kind of defined the business? Uh, I think the best moments are just seeing people get trained properly and people make making money in these stores and uh, people have an opportunity to, to grow whatever they might be, whether it's management side or employee side. Um, you know, we've had, our, we've had our opportunities. We've had some concepts we've closed down, uh, reopened. Um, we've had some that we've just closed down. But, uh, you know, those you just have to admit, either you pick the wrong side or you're doing the wrong thing or doing whatever and move on. And we did that at Steak and Ale. And, um, you know, uh, disappointments. Uh, you know, I, I think we've learned from everything. I, I wouldn't say we've had any huge disappointments at all. You know, we've, they've just been learning experiences. Um, they, I don't think. I think they've there are opportunities uh, out there. I think you have to look at them as opportunities all the time, not yeah. disappointments and not failures, but you learn from it. Mm -hmm. And uh, you know. We've, we've lost a few people. You know, the biggest disappointment is probably losing uh, some people to, to a car wreck or a motorcycle wreck or whatever. My, my, we had yeah. Jim Blanchard who's with us 22 years, and he was with us in the Outback days too. And uh, it was just tragic to lose an area partner like that, you know. Just, is, that, is that who Jimmy B's represents? Yeah. yeah. That's okay. who Jimmy B's is named after is Jim yeah. Blanchard. Amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. I mean, because you build such a great relationship with all these people. You invest in your employees, you know, not just training, but their lives in general. You know, this isn't just come work for us and you can make some money. This is a family, you know, and I get that, I got that sense from Michael. I get it from you. I got it from Hal. I got it from uh, Kirsten Holder, who I know her husband, Andrew, told me the same thing. Um, I mean, multiple people who, who've, you know, either been on the podcast or, or have worked with you guys mm -hmm. that have said the same thing. It's very hard to leave. You know, because it's such a big family, mm -hmm. and, and that's kind of the way that, that you guys have built it intentionally, and you can definitely see that. And not only from management, but you can see it from the smiling faces who serve you every day. Yeah. Right? People love coming to work. And I think they do. I, th I think when we hire people, they you can you you look for that passion, and if they don't have that passion, they eventually weed themselves out, or we do. Uh, but. Uh, we are a big family, and, and uh, Steak and Ale was a big family. Yeah. And, uh, but I think if you hire the right people, that culture stays there. Yeah. I, think, I think people keep, keep generating that, that feel, and, and you, f you feel like, gosh, I'm part of something, and, and I don't want to leave, but if I do leave, uh, I've gained the knowledge that I've needed to gain to do, just kind of like my story, going to Steak and Ale. And uh, it couldn't have been a better opportunity, but Hal gave me that opportunity to jump from small to large, and uh, and then back to small, and now back to I wouldn't call us large. I'd just call us, uh, you know, something we can manage, yeah, and uh, have fun doing it and make money and uh, just give people an opportunity. Yeah. So finishing up, then you recently turned seventy-five. And you had, you know, you, you took over the company in January. A lot of people in your, at your age would just think, oh, I'm just going to put my feet up, play golf every day. Mm -hmm. What keeps you going? Uh, I think just my DNA. Uh, my, my dad was German, and uh, the work ethic he had worked seven days a week. Uh, I think, you know, just that DNA, I've, I, I don't like to sit still. Uh, you know, I, I keep moving all the time and, you know, a lot of people said, well, you're 75, you, you need to, you need to slow down. And, and I just, I've never, since I got in the restaurant business, never had a day where I got out of bed and said, you know, I'm not looking forward to work. And I feel sorry for people that, that don't have that passion for what they do. And, and, and my advice to them is go find something you, you have a passion to do and you'll have fun every day getting up and, and doing what you do. Because I enjoy it, I enjoy the people. The people keep me inspired, they keep me young. Um, you know, and, and people like Michael and, and uh, you know, all the young younger people that run all of our restaurants today, 
they just keep me inspired too. Mm -hmm. And then being around all the young generation that's waiting tables and doing so forth, it's just uh, it's it's a passion I found at the end of my sophomore year in college and yeah. never looked back. You know, I have no regrets. You know, whatsoever, mm -hmm. everything's kind of fallen in, fallen into place. Yeah. What are you excited about then for the rest of the year moving into the future? I know obviously, you know, back to what Norm said, you know, you're always kind of looking ahead. One of his greatest visions, one of his greatest attributes was the fact that he had a vision for the future and what's coming. What, you know, what to, to bring it kind of, you know, to today's Well, I'm, I'm looking forward to, you know, obviously this year, um, you know, we have some, we have five concepts or five stores on the books. Um, two or remodels up in Omaha that we're moving locations, but uh, besides the five, but I'm, I'm looking for our, all of that. I'm looking for the growth and the growth is the oxygen for our people to grow. Mm -hmm. And if we have growth, then they grow. And uh, it gives everybody an, an opportunity to be a GM uh, in five stores. And uh, you know, that's, that's what I look forward to is, is continue to give people an opportunity to grow. Yeah. And uh, if we can do that, that's great. And I, I think that's the more oxygen we can provide and do that. I think we're structured well. Uh, our infrastructure is incredible uh, from Hal to David to Mike. Um, you know, and I think, I think we, can, we can handle the growth. Yeah. And it, it, I mean, is, is the... Um, <laughs> Is the plan to kind of keep growing with the concepts that are working or just over time add in? Are you, are you looking at new concepts right now? Like, where is that? Uh, we've been throwing some bones as, as far as new concepts. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm looking at those, but right now we just want to grow. We think not all of our concepts have legs, but I think at least five or six do. And... Uh, we're going to continue to try to find sites for those and grow them. Uh, we're going to be very conservative. You know, we're looking for quality rather than quantity. Mm -hmm. And uh, if we can continue to do that, um, you know, since we're privately owned, uh, we just have to yeah. kind of watch where how we do things. Yeah. Because we don't need we don't need failures. Right. So. Well, finishing up, I just want to say thank you so much for coming down. Um, it's amazing listening to your story and how everything kind of weaves together and it all stems back to you playing slow pitch softball with Hal. You know, like there's so many people out there that are listening that, you know, great relationships are right in front of them. They're probably in their contact phone. It's probably someone you've sent an Instagram message to in the last, you know, week. You know, and, and so key key point for people listening is you know take full advantage of the relationships that are around you and the people that are around you um because you never know right you never know you might get that phone call and hey come work with me or i have a cool idea come do this and you know how you, how this is navigated from college you know in in the 60s to to where we are now and all of the amazing relationships you've had and the stories you have and you know the, the guys who you're friends with you know and, and just it's amazing to, to kind of weave through it all. And I know mm -hmm. there's so many things we didn't get to, but, you know, we've told a lot of stories here today, and, and I can't thank you enough. Well, it's been my pleasure. I thank you for inviting me. And uh, anytime you want to hear more stories, I've uh, oh, yeah. got them or how. Or you might have both of us in the same I room. I keep the same telling time. Michael to start a, start a Hal Smith podcast because there's so many employee stories there yeah. that, that, that can be shared and, and not just yours and Hal's, but you know, all, even the stories that just the, you know, that aren't related to the restaurant industry. Yeah. You, know, you guys have been great friends for so long. We have. We're, we're like brothers. Together. And uh, it's pretty incredible. Even Mike Rogers, who came to me, graduated from hotel and restaurant school in you know, at OSU, and he walked into Molly Murphy's in Tulsa, and he was just walking around yeah. and said, I'm looking for a job. And he's been with me ever since. And uh, he's like a brother, too. It's just amazing how the personalities have really uh, worked over the years. You don't see that real often in businesses right. uh, that stay together like that. But... Uh, They've all played an important part in, in what we do today, and hats off to all yeah. of them. It's come together very naturally. You haven't mm -hmm. seemed to be going out there saying, we need to find a person like this. Yeah. That person's just kind of come to you over, over yeah. time, which is another great Because we all wear a lot of hats. Yeah. So 
uh, in a small company. But uh, we have great people. That's what makes it fun every day and gives us opportunity every now and then to play golf. Yeah. You know, Definitely. and do those things. Hopefully play a lot more of it as well. Yes. Not, I mean, you're probably more busy now taking over the reins than you were. But, um, yeah, hopefully you can sneak away and play some golf. Yeah, and, and travel to some some of your places, some of your restaurants, and do some uh, do some more research, if we yes. call it research, right? R and D. R and D. Yeah. yeah. But Hank, thank you so much for people listening. I'll put the link to the uh, restaurant website. You guys can go check that out if you guys are listening. Have a family member that wants a job, is looking for jobs. I'm sure there's plenty of uh, contact information in the website. You can go check out. And also, if you're hungry, I mean, if you hadn't tried these restaurants. <laughs> Go to breakfast at Neighborhood Jam, please, if you haven't been, because it's fantastic. Um, I get the same thing every time. It's the oatmeal. Uh, I'm sorry, the overnight oats I get every single time, cold, and that's my go-to. So for people listening, thank you so much, and we will catch you next episode. Cheers. This podcast is presented by the Oklahoma Hall of Fame, telling Oklahoma stories through its people since 1927. Follow them online at oklahomahof.com and definitely on Instagram at oklahomahof. Thank you for listening. We are inspired by those around us and hope that you are too. Make sure you subscribe to this podcast on your favorite podcast platform and leave us a review so we can keep telling your stories. For more great Oklahoma content, follow This Is Oklahoma on Facebook and Instagram.